Welcome to Chapter 2 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Sally Arnett, VP of IS at Licking Memorial Health System. In this segment, Arnett talks about why waiting to attest to MU Stage 1 turned out to be the right decision, what her team has done to increase patient portal adoption, and how her non-threatening approach to security education has paid off. In terms of the decision back in, in 2011 to, to kind of wait until the, the Meditech products had, had caught up, I, that, that's a sentiment we've heard a lot too, um, you know, just as far as making sure that, that your, your vendor's products were ready and looking back, do you, do you feel it was the right move? It was definitely the right move. Uh, we actually participated as one of the early adopter hospitals uh, in that meaningful use stage one release. Mm-hmm. So we really, you know, we got the code very early, um, you know, and I think everybody was very anxious with stage one to get their code in, meet the deadlines. We didn't know at the time that there was going to be that additional one-year extension. Yeah. Um, but, you know, part of what we found is despite every vendor's best efforts until they get it out there and people use it and we thoroughly test it, you really don't know, you know, they're pushing the code out so quickly, you're, you really don't know how well the code's going to work, yeah. how well it's going to function in, in actual practice. Uh, so we did find, um, you know, I don't think it was necessarily anyone's fault, but I think we found quite a few workflow challenges um, and some things that we just didn't feel comfortable in both stage one and stage two putting forward for our patients. And, you know, we basically said we wanted it to be 100% perfect and we wanted it to be accurate. Um, and we weren't going to hand a list of discharge meds, for example, to a patient unless it was perfect, unless right, it was safe. Right. Um, you know, and I think we have seen some folks say, oh, we're just going to go ahead and roll this out to check off the box and get the money. I wouldn't feel good about doing that until I know it's, it's accurate, it's safe, it's reflective of the care that's provided. Um, so in some of those instances, we just decided to, you know, sit back a little bit and wait. And fortunately, we were still able to meet the MU objectives as well as put out a good quality product. Right. When you touched on uh, the, the patient engagement uh, challenges, um, it, it's certainly something that, that we've heard a lot, and especially in certain areas or, or with certain pa- patient populations just getting those numbers up, and is, is there any kind of uh, specific initiative or uh, you know, how are you kind of approaching that as far as getting those numbers up and getting patients to log in? We have an IS staff member who actually rounds every single day uh, and does visits with the patients, informs them about the patient portal, does education with them, and you know, if we can, get them signed up before they go home. Uh, so it, it's sort of a multi-layered approach. It starts with registration and getting, you know, that first touch point at registration. Uh, we also register all of our staff members. We give them that opportunity. Um, as we do new hire orientation, uh, we actually get that group, um, if they would like to, into the patient portal. And as, you know, our patients go through each step in the process, we have touch points built into various pieces of the process. Uh, so when they're you know, coming in for outpatient lab or they're coming in for outpatient radiology, we're trying to get people informed then and hopefully before they come to the hospital, get them signed up for the portal. Right. Um, and that, I think, has helped our numbers uh, for MU quite a bit. Uh, but we do 
try to touch base with almost every single inpatient that we have in-house. And then we do follow-up calls as well after they've gone home. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we do find a lot of people, you know, they're interested or um, maybe their family members in many instances are are interested. We find for... Uh, folks who are taking care of elderly pa- elderly parents or their children, um, we have the ability to have uh, grant proxy access to family members if the patient approves. Uh, so a large number of the folks that we have signing up are actually proxies that are helping care for someone in their family. Right, yeah. That seems like a, uh, a smart way to go about it um, just because you know, when you're talking about some of the patients, they're just, they're not going to be doing this, they're not going to be logging on, but there are family members who do want to be engaged. So that's, uh, that certainly makes sense. And I've found in caring for my own family that has been a wonderful tool, especially when you're going, you know, across multiple health systems, multiple providers, different physicians, different specialists, uh, to be able to have the portals and pull them up for each one of the different providers is wonderful. Uh, I think really in our region here, where we're really going to see our bang for our buck is as the health information exchange really gets fully running and we get more facilities into the health information exchange, uh, having all that data aggregated from facility to facility um, is really going to be beneficial. And it's just going to take some time to get there, but we're getting there. Yeah. Okay. And now you just mentioned HIE. Um, Is there a statewide HIE you're participating in or uh, local? Ohio is sort of broken up into, um, we have a group we call um, the Ohio Health Information Partnership, which is based in the Columbus area, and then there's another exchange in the Cincinnati-Dayton area and a little bit more in Cleveland. Um, So we're participating in the Ohio Health Information Partnership, which is the the Columbus-based group. Uh, And it's, uh, I think we're we're growing very quickly. Um, We have quite a few members coming on board. And right now what we're focusing on is adding the physicians in the community into the health information exchange. So, yeah, it's just going to be kind of a step-by-step learning, um, getting greater advocacy, getting folks in, you know, informing folks about the fact that HIE is out there. Um, so we're, you know, right now we're doing a lot of submission of results. Uh, so what we've really got to get towards is that retrieval of results and really making it useful now that we're getting the data in there. Right. And then especially with, uh, you know, with, like you said, being being the uh, only hospital in your community, I guess it's, uh, it, as things like really progress, it kind of um, maybe gives more of a motivation to really want to be, you know, hooked into the other hospitals. Well, and I think it's very important for us to provide care here in the community, and we have a lot of our community members, you know, constantly coming saying, you know, we really want to be cared for at your facility. Yeah. Uh, you know, and there, there are some things that we can't do here. And when those patients go, typically they'll go to a facility in Columbus and then they'll come back here for OT or PT or rehabilitation. Uh, so we want to make that as seamless as possible. Uh, so if we're all sharing data into the same health information exchange, it makes it a lot easier to pass data from those patients you know, at the different stages in their continuum of care. Right. Uh, so, you know, I, I think we're going in a great direction, and I, I really do look forward to seeing what it looks like in five years. Yeah. 
Another thing you had mentioned was uh, the information security and uh, kind of bringing that that in house. And um, just wanted to talk about that. I mean, uh, obviously we, we know what the need for for this to be something that, that's really top of mind. But can you just talk about the strategy behind that? Well, we're focusing not only on HIPAA compliance, the privacy rule, obviously, and the security rule, but PCI compliance as well. Mm-hmm. As we've gotten larger over the years, we actually started out when I came in in 2000, we had about 15 employees. Um, and as I mentioned, we're going to 50. Um, just the complexity of our environment We've grown so much. You know, it's not just supporting a hospital. It's supporting 30 remote sites, and everybody's using credit cards, and payments become more complex, and identity theft has risen, and, you know, you've got, you know, the assorted HIPAA privacy rules, uh, you know, obviously all the penalties that come with privacy and security. So we really felt it would be best if we had a very controlled approach internally uh, so that we were doing our own internal audits. We had enough staff here to actually perform audit and do it well. Um, that same team also helps us with um, our business continuity plans. We're trying to you know, just reinforce the basics, um, good patching techniques, making sure our firewalls are updated. Uh, we're in the process right now of installing a product called Bit9, which actually monitors all the applications that run on your computer, and it will actually stop things from running if they um, aren't, um, if it doesn't recognize those items. Um, right. So we're trying to get out there and not only do the basics, but start looking at some probably more advanced technologies. Uh, we just actually installed Fair Warning as well. Uh, which obviously is for for privacy rule compliance. So it's going out there and doing auditing and reviewing all of our audit logs. And then, you know, we're going through that process of identifying any infractions and proactively monitoring for the privacy rule. Uh, So so we really felt like having a good, solid team here to do that in-house rather than having to rely on consultants coming and going uh, was really important to us. And, you know, having a five-year plan for security, just like we have a five-year plan for IS and projects, and, you know, just better oversight for that here in-house. And I think it's added a tremendous amount to our team. I would think you get a different perspective from from having it in-house and, you know, from a group that really knows the organization well. I'm sure that that makes a difference. Well, and we're... We've built a lot of our skill sets here in-house and getting starting to drive toward best practices. You know, it takes a lot to make sure all the staff are educated, uh, that we're, you know, monitoring our best practices, generating reports, making sure that we're doing it well, and having somebody just come in once or twice a year and rubber stamp and say, oh, yeah, your plan looks good. Um, We really didn't feel was what we were looking to accomplish. Uh, We really want a good, strong security and compliance program, and we felt by controlling that, uh, it would really help us get there. Uh, And also security awareness for our staff. Uh, We've tried to approach this in a very non-threatening manner. Um, You know, we do audit extensively, and we're constantly calling people and saying, we saw this, we had this issue, Um, and we're really trying to get staff savvy um, so that they know when we're calling, it's not an intimidating call. Yeah. Um, we're calling to ask them a question, figure out why they were doing something. 
Um, and, you know, we've, we've approached a lot of it as helping them protect themselves. Um, you know, right. and as fishing attempts seem to get more and more frequent, um, the staff are getting really savvy about, you know, I got a call from somebody outside and it didn't seem right. Um, and because we're doing a lot of the other approaches in a non-punitive way, they feel really comfortable about calling us and saying, hey, I got this phone call and it just didn't seem right. Hmm. Um, so it's, I think, helping us head off some things that could potentially be a bigger problem. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to really have that, that trust established so people don't feel like they're being accused of something. It, it's amazing how sophisticated the, <laughs> the phishing <laughs> attacks are, are becoming. It's pretty scary to think about, as I'm sure you know. And, you know, the reality of the world is the criminals are going to be doing things so quickly and we're outnumbered. Um, you know, and I think most of us in the industry now are just saying it's, you know, not a matter of if but when. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to prepare with things like cyber insurance and, you know, those types of things as well. Um, mm-hmm. But I think really building a good security program, educating your staff, educating your physicians, and having the frontline people know how to respond is probably the biggest tool that we can have. And it just mm-hmm. takes constant education and cooperation and teamwork. Yeah. So one of the um, other items that I wanted to talk about was the organization was named um, to the the 2015 Most Wired list. And um, I wanted to talk about uh, leadership's role in in conveying the the role of IT in in supporting the delivery of care and and not just being about implementing systems and even winning awards, which is a nice thing, but uh, just to, you know, really uh, how you, kind of how you approach that with your team. Well, we've been really, I have to say, very, very fortunate here from the leadership level, from a staffing level. Uh, we've, our, our mission is to improve the health of the community. Really, that vision and that mission has been permeated throughout our staff, um, not only for the clinical staff, but for the IS staff as well. Uh, so it's not unusual here to have an IS staff member sitting in a meeting being one of the folks to come up with the idea of, well, we could do this to improve, or we could do this to help pharmacy, or we could do this to help lab. Uh, So I I think we're very fortunate from that regard. Uh, We don't have, I've been in facilities where you sort of have the IT people off to one side and in their silo, and then you have the HI people in their silo and the pharmacy Mm -hmm. people in theirs, um, you know, and down the line. we're very fortunate that we have a very tightly integrated group, and I, I think because we've been through so many clinical projects, um, we've all kind of had time to work closely together. Uh, so we, we have a common goal, and going through the CPOE process and bedside medication verification, um, we're all very passionate about patient safety and improving the clinical process. I have to say, it makes my job very, very pleasurable, and I, I think it makes, uh, you know, we, we know that the next patient coming through the door could be one of our own family, so the better we do things, the more we're helping our friends, the more that we're helping our neighbors, the more that we're helping our family. Right. Uh, so it, it makes it very easy to, to drive that home, you know, and it makes it very easy to move down the most wired path because we're doing things like clinical decision support and you know, PACs and bedside medication verification and all the advanced clinical things. Um, so it's, I, I have to say it's truly a joy to go to work every day having the team of people that we have that are also passionate about what we're doing. 
Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.